year for Christmas is peace. Uh, I sat in a room with ministers, and we were we were preparing uh, for the Christmas season. This was way back way back in May that we were meeting together and having conversations, and just with all of the turmoil around the world, and even in our own homes and in our communities, uh, just the last couple of years that we've all experienced, when we brought up the word peace, it resonated amongst all of us. We said, let's, let's preach about peace this Christmas season. Let's talk about God's light coming into the world in the midst of darkness. Let's talk about God's peace that comes to us that brings healing and hope and salvation. Let's talk to people about the real solution for the very real problems in the world. That it is the powerful presence of God that brings us peace here. And so this Christmas season, I, I, I hope that you leave knowing that you can not only have peace right now in the celebration and anticipation and all of the beauty of Christmas and all the decoration, all the preparations, that there can be peace today, but there can be peace in your whole life because Christ is here. Christ is present. So let's start with prayer, and we'll continue in our study together. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this time together. Lord, the encouragement that we have in just being together, united, united under your Son, Jesus, knowing that your Spirit is here, that you have not left us alone, but that your Advocate, the Holy Spirit, is here with us, that you, Lord, want to make your home with us. So, Lord, dispel all fear. Open our hearts today. Let us hear from you. Speak truth to our lives, Lord. Open our hearts and and give us healing where we need it. Give us hope in our discouragement. Lord, give us peace today knowing that Jesus lives, that he has come. We have life in him. We thank you, God, for this morning. Guide us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so uh, I will be, you know, the ministers and I, uh, they're from Ohio and Michigan, and so we're all kind of riding together and encouraging one another, and, and uh, I, for some of them, this is the first time that they've ever wrote with other ministers, and so I've been trying to um, be an encouragement uh, to ministers in Michigan and Ohio, and because I've been blessed with really great friends in ministry, and God has put it on my heart to try and encourage ministers, uh, not just here, but um, in the, my just, just connections through Great Lakes where I graduated and different things. I want to be an encourager to people. I think you know that about me. And so if I can be of help to people, I try to do that. And so I'm trying to start some networking and encouragement and blessing to ministers in Michigan and, and Ohio. Um, and so this is our kind of our first attempt at doing a series together. Uh, So if there's anything that's really good that's shared from the sermon, it came from me. Anything bad, you can blame the guys from Ohio, right? Uh, The uh, Exactly, Derek. Yeah. Uh, We're blessed with some students from Grace College. They're looking for extra credit from their professor, and it ain't happening. Uh, But uh, uh, so there, I appreciate uh, some of my students being here this morning. So Uh, when we think about peace, what is peace? Peace is God's overflowing blessing in our life. It is what the Hebrews called shalom, 
And that was more than just sort of contentment of circumstances. It was more than wholeness. It was the overflowing of blessings and encouragement and care. That there was lacking nothing and there was a sense of peace. That there was nothing to be longing for because God has completely satisfied and fulfilled. When Jesus shares uh, in what, uh, what Tim read today, that he leaves us his peace, Jesus will give us his peace, he says Aaronai, the Greek word Aaronai, and if you were to say what Jesus was saying, shalom and Aaronai are the same sort of words, that Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you the overwhelming blessing of my presence and my life with you. And so when we think about the ministry of Jesus, I think one of the things we need to have resting in our minds is that Jesus is trying to bring peace to the world. You know, we have the famous answer of, you know, what would you do if you had one wish, one wish for the world, you know, what would you do or what would you do? And you'd say, well, there'd be world peace. Well, this message series is about the one who can truly offer us peace. It's not just some empty words. It's not something that is just made up, made up in his mind uh, that is wishful thinking. Jesus truly offers us genuine peace. This morning, I want to read from Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 through 7. There's a few things that we got to do to lay a little groundwork. I know most of you all are super excited to be studying some passage from Isaiah and reading some names that we don't know. But we'll sort through some of that stuff, and I hope that we'll land, we'll land with something that really matters for you today. We've got to trudge through a couple of things. Hang with me. But I think God can really speak to you today through his scripture and through the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 9, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as soldiers rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father and prince of peace of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It says there at the opening that for those who are in distress, uh, that it will be no more. The question will be, though, is why is there distress? Why is there disruption in their lives? The land of Israel, the people of Israel, 
they really had one job to do. Their job was to worship and glorify God. Their job was to obey the commands of God. And all along their journey, they make decisions uh, that sort of uh, upend the right things that they're supposed to be doing. Uh, So they have judges, and these judges, uh, some of them are good, most of them are bad. And there is peace in the land when the judges are good. When the judges are good, they get rid of the Asherah poles, they get rid of the Baals, all of these foreign gods, and they're like, we love God, we're worshiping him and him alone. And they tear down the things that are stealing people's worship, and then that judge dies, and then a bad judge follows, and they say, hey, let's bring out the Baals again. You know, they go out to the shout-out back, and they, you know, put it all together, and like, woohoo, you know. And they do this repeatedly, over and over again. And when they turn their hearts from God, when they begin to worship other gods, then that's when the distressing situations start coming about. But if they would just give their allegiance to God, if they would just give their worship to Him, then there wouldn't be any of this extra distress. There would be peace. And so Isaiah is looking at a period of time in which the Assyrian army is starting to form around them, and Isaiah is seeing the sort of compromised faith of the Israelites around him. And so with Assyria sort of bearing down, he's looking at the situation and he's saying, trouble is on the way. In fact, it's almost already here. That we've turned our hearts from God, and so this is not a good situation. And so Isaiah is looking at all of this and he's saying, He's saying to them, there is a day that's coming where God will be victorious. And what we need, and what the answer is, is not judges and it's not kings. Because when they did the whole judge thing, at the end of judges, they're like, well, we don't have a king, we're not like everybody else. And If we had a king, then maybe it would get better. And so Israel lived under this notion that, well, maybe the judges didn't work, but if we get a king, the king will work. So they hire Saul for the job, right? They recruit him, say, Saul, you the man. You're tall, you're handsome, you look like all the guys here, and you're going to do great things. Well, Saul was a miserable failure, turning from God. And they, so then God recruits David. David was a man after God's own heart. And David does well, but even David fails in some regards. And it would Israel and their faithfulness and their circumstances would rise and fall because of the of the judges and the kings, if they were good or evil, if they, would, if they would dispel the idols and push out the foreign worship, or if they would trust God with all that they are and love God and follow his commands, then everything would seem to be going well. Would they follow Deuteronomy or would they follow the world around them and their foreign gods? Everything rose and fell, their peace, their peace rose and fell on who their king was. I'm going to get a little bit on people's toes this morning, but sometimes I feel like our peace in this world rises and falls with how the election cycle turns out. We put a lot of emphasis on whether or not we get our people in the right spots. We see this happen not just on the government angle, we also see it happening in our own sort of just in general, in our if we have a good boss or not that I I can have peace in my life if I have the right leader in my life, someone who's not annoying me or on me or micromanaging me or doing something obnoxious or they don't give me time off or they get mad at me if I sleep in or whatever. Um, not, Not that any of us would do that. We're all upstanding citizens, right? So 
we look at our life and it's, if there's peace or not, it has to have the right leadership. If there's peace in our life, it has the right circumstances. If there's peace in our life, we have everything all in place. Isaiah is saying there is a new light that has dawned in the midst of the darkness. A light has come. And when we know that God's presence is with us, then it dispels the darkness and it brings us peace. You know, I, it's the simplest of illustrations, but we are all there. Walking in the dark is a terrible thing to do, especially when you have children and they potentially played with Legos that day. You, know, you just don't know what you might land on. But the moment there's even just a little glimmer of light, there is a sense of peace of knowing that you can see. And what Isaiah's words to us now and speak to us and resonate still is that even though there is distressing moment now, even though there is darkness now, even though there is depth of despair that we know nothing about, and some of us are too painfully aware of the depths of despair and darkness, God's light is showing. There is a light that is dawning. There is a light off in the horizon. And for Isaiah, he's saying, yes, it's difficult now, but let me tell you of a light that's coming, a light that's dawning. And this, this light that's coming, well, it's going to dispel our enemies and it's going to drive them out and Midian will be defeated. It's not whether or not Midian will be defeated. It's this anticipation that the enemy will and has been. And so then Isaiah starts talking about, we're just going to enjoy the victories of the spoils, the spoils of victory, knowing that we will have blessings that we didn't even earn ourselves because God has rescued us, because God has helped us. God is working as Isaiah's message. God is coming. God is caring for us. God has not forgotten us. His light will dawn and dispel the darkness. And this light that is coming is so good that it's going to do away with any need for us whatsoever to have the tools of war. That we will just turn the tools of war into fodder for the fire. That we will just set it aside and all of the bloody rags and all of the brokenness and all of the despair, all of it will be used for a fire. It will be no longer needed because of this light that is coming. And this light that is coming is a special person. This special person will be in what will be known as Jesus Christ. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Child will be born to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. The word wonderful there, wonderful. Uh, it occurs some 40 times in the Old Testament. And every single time, aside from a couple, it is used to describe the wonderful work of God. The only explanation when they use this word is to say, this is a miraculous work of God that only through God is this possible. So the celebration of what God does, they will use this word wonderful and they will use it to describe the wonderful work of God to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. The wonderful work of God in creation. The wonderful miraculous work of God in the lives of the Israelites, they would describe and they would say, 
There is no one we can attribute this to other than the miraculous work of God interceding right now in this moment. And when this child is born, when this child takes over, when this child comes who's the Prince of Peace, we will call him Wonderful Counselor because the care that he gives us, there will be no explanation other than that this is God's work right now in this moment, in time, in history, that no way possible is anything other than God working Wonderful. The wonderful work of God in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, to come and rescue us from sins. And it says he's going to establish his government, that he'll be the prince of peace, that he'll be the everlasting father. The reason why I talk to you about what was going on in Israel and the ups and downs of having loyalty to God and disloyalty to God and all of the troubles that came from that is that I want you to now appreciate that Jesus establishes an everlasting and eternal kingdom. Jesus reigns yesterday. Jesus reigned yesterday. Jesus reigns today. And Jesus is going to reign tomorrow. Do you believe that? Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This child that has come, who's establishing his government, his kingdom, his peace, his ways, is an everlasting king. And he's turning our hearts towards God that he's dispelling the darkness. He is a great light. He is calling us back to God that we would live under him, under his reign. And friends, here's the, here's the whole thing. Because God is present, there is peace. Because God took on flesh and became Jesus Christ in the flesh, God's Word incarnate, there is peace. Because the light has dawned, the tools of war are no more. When we look at Isaiah's nine we should see god working in a miraculous way to bring peace to the world by establishing his everlasting presence with us through his son and now through his spirit of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end he will reign on david's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. A forever king offers forever peace. Peace now and peace tomorrow. We don't need to fear the ebb and flow of the faithfulness of our leader because our leader is Jesus Christ. And this is a tried and true point that we are redeemed and saved by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. He is faithful and good. And friends, I invite you to find peace today knowing 
knowing that God is faithful and present in your life now. And he cares ever so deeply for you. That his kingdom is one without end. He reigns yesterday, he reigns today. And he'll reign tomorrow. So what do we do with that, if you hold that to be true? You hold it true that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. What do you do if you hold that to be true? I was reflecting on this this week, and at the end of the day, there's a song, and just a phrase within a song, that kept resonating in my heart, and I've made it my prayer. You might say, Jordan, how do we have peace today? I know these things. I know Jesus is Lord. I know Jesus is King. I know that He loves me. But the circumstances of my life right now don't really make me feel all that peaceful. I go to the grocery store. I don't, have, I don't got no money. Eggs are $7. I don't know that they're that bad. It, they might as well be, right? How am I going to have enough? How am I going to care for my family? We look at the world around us. We look at violence and evil. We look at war. We look at all of the things going on and we wonder, is Isaiah 9 true? Friends, it comes down to this. Will you, will you pray and seek God and invite him to be near you? And the song that's been resonating in my heart is Away in a Manger. And there's a simple prayer in Away in the Manger that says, Be near me, Lord Jesus, as I pray now and forever and always. Lord, be near me. I have spent a good portion of my life chasing after contentment and peace and having enough. Maybe you've done the same. Maybe this new phone, maybe this new app, maybe this new car, maybe this new house, maybe I flip this or flip that and maybe it'll work out. We have spent our lives trying to create circumstances where we might have peace in our life. And I'm telling you, we've chased all of the wrong things and we've chosen the wrong leader. So long as we make those things the leaders of our life, we're never going to have peace. But if you make Jesus your king, if you make Jesus the leader of your life, if you make Jesus the one that you live for, you focus on, the one that you devote your life to, there is true, genuine peace. So pray. Be near me, Lord Jesus, now, forever, and always. Be near me, this I pray. And let the powerful presence of God give you peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the circumstances of our life often ebb and flow because of the now but not yet nature of your kingdom. Lord, we want to love you and seek you in all that we do. But there's tensions all around us. To love you, 
to devote ourselves to you or to commit ourselves to the world. God, I pray that the light dawning ahead of us of your son's return will give us peace today in the midst of darkness. Lord, that your spirit at work in us now would give us peace. And Lord, so we just give this simple prayer. Collectively, Lord, we pray that you would be near us forever and always. And may your presence today be felt and experienced in ways that shed light on our pride, shed light on our brokenness, shed light on the darkness of our, our hearts. Today, God, that we would see you and know you and love you. Lord, that the world, the world can do as it does and the circumstances of our life may change. And inflation may rise and troubles may come and difficulties in our family. Lord, we might be surrounded by death and suffering. Lord, in all of the circumstances of life that have brought us grief and sorrow, the answer to all of it is to draw near to you. So draw near to us, your church. Be near us, Lord. There's no peace outside of you.